Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Be Green with Amy. I'm Amy. After adopting a whole food plant-based lifestyle, my hubby Rick and I lost over 130 pounds. Now I coach others on their plant-based journey. Just test voice. Let's welcome our guest. Eileen Kopsiftis is the founder of Have Lifelong Wellbeing. Please click like to help Be Green with Amy. Welcome, Eileen Kopsiftis. Greetings and welcome back, Eileen. Yes, hello, Amy. I'm so glad to be here. I was looking forward to this. We had so much fun the last time. I love a repeat. <laughs> oh, yes. I love having you back because you just have so much information to share. And like me, where I'm trying to share about plant-based eating and a lot of the world doesn't know about it, you have a lot of things about pain that a lot of people don't know about, including physicians, which is which is pretty remarkable, you know, and, and I mean, it seems that as we age, so many of us experience back pain mm-hmm. and many, many of our doctors will say, ah, it just comes with getting older. So I'm really glad that you're going to tell us about how back pain is not necessarily an inevitable consequence of aging yeah. and how we can age without back pain. Yeah. Yes, and flip that on to even a more positive note, not that that wasn't positive, but we can age with a strong back. So, yeah. Oh, yes, that's very good. Because Mm -hmm. just because we don't have back pain doesn't mean that we shouldn't have a strong back because we're also thinking about preventing future things from happening. You might be aging just fine, but that doesn't mean that something can't happen to you. And it just seems like it just kind of, all of a sudden you wake up or you're in the middle of doing something and you'd go, oh, what happened? So it can just get you, right? So we need yeah. to be proactive here. If you're not experiencing it, definitely be proactive and try to figure out what we can do to prevent it. But if you are experiencing it, there's going to be something you're going to get out of today's presentation. So I'm really That's my goal. excited. Yeah. yeah. So uh, did you want to get started? Okay, sure. Yes, I will go okay. ahead and uh, got some go. slides here, and then we're going to do some movement down in the gym. So yep. those of you who are and here, pay attention, guys, because we're also going to be doing a little true or false game with you as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So, um, I believe. Okay, let's there we see. are. You've got it right. Yes. Oh, I think I had it, and now I don't see it anymore. So you might have to put it back up. All right. So while there. Eileen is looking at that. Green Warriors, if you have a question for Eileen about back pain, you can go ahead and put that in the comments, and we're going to be asking that later on. And here we go. Let's get started. Yes, yes. All right. So very excited about this Um, because Amy does so much on the food front and the healthy weight and, and all of that great stuff. Um, I decided to title this Feed Your Back Right because it's not just about food, but it's also about feeding your back properly with movement. And I'm going to explain that when I get done with the slides, but we're going to start off with a couple of important things. The first thing is, and this is a statement that I came up with fairly recently, understanding authentic human function. And you might say, well, what does that mean? Right? Um, what's authentic? Well, authentic means, would you really do that in real life? There's a lot of machines we use in the gyms that um, require us to do something repetitively against resistance. 
that is completely inauthentic. It's not a movement we would ever do, even in sports, even in um, physical tasks, even at jobs. So if it's inauthentic, which means we would never do it, then, you know, let's let's understand what authentic means. And hopefully I'll be able to explain that a little bit today. This is kind of an introduction. So understanding authentic human function leads to better training choices. Now you're, you're going to know, oh, I don't want to be on that machine. That's not authentic. And I, oh, yeah, I want to do this because this is authentic. And this is going to help me to improve what I want to be doing. Right. So that's very, very important. Hopefully that makes sense. And of course, this is just information. I don't want anyone to be injured. I don't want anyone to think that I'm diagnosing them or treating them or telling them what to do. You know, it's not a substitute. You know what's going on in your world physically, medically. You know, Amy and I don't, right? So, so this is this is educational only. Okay. All right. So this is something everybody needs to know. This is a very important question. And I, I've changed this up a little bit too, because usually I ask it a little differently, but an important question to ask when you experience pain, not if, because there isn't a person on the planet who doesn't have some point in time in their life where they're experiencing pain, right? Will this it relieve the symptoms or resolve the cause of the pain? And a lot of times, and I'll just give a little simple example, uh, I joked with somebody once who I was talking with uh, the other day and he um, wanted, he was going to go to the orthopedist. He was going to get an injection. Now, I'm not saying you should never do that, right? But you really do want to be informed before you say yes to things. But here's the deal. He was like, well, you know, that'll help me. Right. And I said, well, that will address the symptom of your pain. Right. An injection addresses symptoms. It's usually it's a corticosteroid. It's an anti-inflammatory but we have to understand what's causing the inflammation, right? So what that injection is gonna do is it's gonna address the symptom. You might get some relief, but because it didn't address the cause, you haven't resolved the problem. And we want resolution, right? We wanna resolve things. We don't just want some temporary reprieve, right? So, okay. So, oh, I'm sorry, you had a, you had a, a true or false question that you were going to ask. Before oh, oh, great. I love that. So yeah. we're going to play our game of true or false and start now. It's time for true or false on Be Green with Amy Live. Answer true or false to Amy's questions in the comments below. And Amy will ask our guest for the expert answer. Okay. So did you want to talk about the um, percentages of it? Was that the one that you didn't talk about? Yes. Okay. So you want to All ask right. question. All right, great. So our first true or false question, Green Warriors, get ready to type in what your guess is. True or false, 70% of people who experience low back pain have a diagnosis of unknown cause. 70%. True or false, type in your answers. Eileen, what's the answer? The answer is true. Yes. And, and a lot, you know, I mean, we could throw a lot of numbers around 80% of the population will experience back pain at some point in their life, but 70% of those people, they don't know why it's happening. The medical world simply diagnoses it as low back pain. Now, low back pain is not a diagnosis. It's a symptom, <laughs> right? So it's not like they're telling you you have degenerative disc disease or spinal stenosis or 
a herniated disc or, you know, kidney um, infection. I mean, they're not giving you a diagnosis. They're just basically saying, oh yeah, you got low back pain. Okay. And they write that out. Mm. So. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Cause I mean, you go in and your finger hurts and they're supposed to find a splinter or find a broken bone and then they write finger hurts. <laughs> it doesn't make sense at all. <laughs> you are so right. Oh, and our smart green warriors had guessed and they guessed true. So very good green warriors. Kudos to you guys. All right. Good, good, okay. good. So I'm going to show the, the slide here. Uh, and this, you know, this a picture is worth a thousand words. So about 27% of the population uh, who experiences low back pain, they'll tell them you've got spinal stenosis, a herniated or a ruptured disc, scoliosis, degenerative disc disease, some other reason that kind of makes sense for the back pain. Now, I want to say, as an aside to that, a lot of the times those diagnoses have nothing to do with the back pain either. They just happen to present on imaging. Um, I worked with a lot of people who had those diagnoses and we were able to resolve their back pain and I didn't wave a magic wand over that medical diagnosis. The, the, the back pain was, was completely because of some other reason. It was a biomechanical reason. It was a weakness and asymmetry, something else going on in their world. So, um, so I just wanted to be clear on that one, but at least 27% have some kind of a label, right? And then you've got that 3% where that's, you know, can be some pretty serious stuff like cancer or God forbid, a vertebral fracture or an aneurysm. Uh, like I said, kidney disease, which is a pretty severe infection um, or simply the disease itself, which can mimic low back pain because that's where your kidneys are, right? So that's only 3%, but 70% exact cause unknown. They don't have a clue. So they send you to PT or they send you to pain management or they send you to an orthopedist to see if they can figure it out, right? And hopefully the person you go to has some pretty good smarts and can figure it out, right? All right, so I'm gonna do just a few slides on some healthy back anatomy, just to let you know, because um, it's kind of helps when you sort of understand the body parts that you're talking about. You do have 24, what could be called movable blocks. You've got 33 vertebrae total from your skull down to your tailbone. Uh, but 24 of them literally have mobility. They move. And so it makes up your spine and you've got discs in between those that move. And those discs are designed to provide some cushioning and absorb shock so that every time you take a step, when you walk, you're not getting this jarring right up into your jaw. Right. And you've got seven in the neck, 12 in the trunk, which is between the neck and the low back and five in the low back. And then, of course, the other ones that don't move. Uh, they're in your sacrum, which is that triangular bone at, below your spine, and your tailbone, your coccyx. Now, this is a little visual so you can see the curves. The curves in your spine will enable your back or your spine to be eight times stronger than it would be if it was straight. So those curves are there for a reason. You don't want to get rid of the curves, but you also want to make sure that they're healthy curves. You don't, if it's supposed to curve out, like here, uh, I'm sorry, curve in like here in the neck. So this would be somebody if they were facing to the left of the screen and this would be their back. So the neck curves in, the thoracic spine curves out, the lumbar curves in and the sacrum curves out. Now, when it curves in, that's called lordosis. You want a nice healthy lordosis in the neck and in the lumbar spine. You can see they kind of counterbalance each other. And then the trunk or the thoracic and the sacrum, 
that's a kyphosis because it curves out. Now, there is, you know, a kyphotic curve. A lot of the times when somebody says that, they mean that it's it's bigger than it should be. The angle is much bigger than it should be. And of course, that will lead to a very much of a forward head and, and it just leads to all kinds of other horrible things. So you really do want healthy curves in your spine. And it does make it stronger because those curves are there. Now, focusing on the lumbar or the low back, you've got five vertebrae and they're very large kidney shaped bones. The, the ones above are a little bit smaller by the time you get up to the neck and up to the skull, those are much smaller. And each area of the spine, the vertebrae sit at a different angle. So the facets, which is how the vertebrae kind of stack on each other, sit at a 90 degree angle in the lumbar spine. And the movements in the low back are pretty much limited to flexion forward and extension backward. There is a little bit of rotation that occurs in those areas and a little bit of side bending, but it's mostly bending forward and back. That's the low back's strength. So a lot of the times, I don't know how old you are, you might remember, it may have been, oh my gosh, it was probably 40, 50 years ago. They were telling people whenever you work out, don't twist your spine because the uh, physiologists had determined, oh, lumbar vertebrae don't really rotate very much. They've only got a few degrees. I think it's like up to 13 degrees of motion, depending on what book you read. So that said, oh, don't don't twist. Don't do that. Well, it was inaccurate because we need to be able to turn. We need to be able to rotate. If you're just going between the refrigerator and your stove, you're turning, right? Mm. So if turning th screws up your back, then we're all in trouble. So the point here is, it's where does the rotation occur in the body when you turn? So remember that, okay? Um, and then you've got this lumbosacral junction. That's where your spine meets your sacrum, right? And, and a lot of movement has to happen there. And a lot of people end up having fusions, uh, which is attempting to stop motion there for different medical reasons. Unfortunately, because the movement is supposed to happen there, now you end up with excessive movement either above or below the segment that's been fused. And a lot of the times these people end up having to have a second or a third surgery um, because of that excessive movement that's happening to make up for the segment that's not moving. So we really do want motion to be happening in our spine. And obviously surgery we want to be the absolute last resort. And sadly, a lot of the times when people seek help, they're, they're not given access to somebody who might know the right things for them to do. They might be sent to a pain management person and no disrespect to pain management, but they can only do what they've been trained to do. And in pain management, it's all about medicating the symptoms. It has, it has nothing to do with addressing the cause if it's weakness, asymmetry, um, immobility, which I'm going to go over a little bit when I go downstairs in the gym. So hopefully everybody's on board here and you're all like, okay, I want the cause. I want to know what to do with the cause, right? Okay. So what causes back pain? Believe it or not, what you eat can massively impact your back the health of your back, the function of your back, and pain. So I'm going to go into this for a few slides. And fat consumption will impair circulation in your body. And on the left there, these are red blood cells. 
And you can see they're all kind of single file, right? On the right, these are red blood cells after consuming a high fat meal. And it remains that way for up to 12 hours. So this is why so many people end up having a sudden heart attack after a, a standard American Thanksgiving meal because of all the fat. It's just really not good for our circulatory system. And all of us want to protect our heart. All of us want to protect our brain. Nobody wants a heart attack. Nobody wants a stroke. But have you ever thought of your spine when it comes to impaired circulation? Most people don't, right? So this is another visual here. This is what fat looks like in the blood supply. This was a blood sample taken from a patient who had had a, a very high fat meal prior to um, the blood sample being taken. You want this nice, clear um, part of the blood. This is the red blood cells, right? So it, you don't want this. This kind of looks like what happens to gravy when you put it in your refrigerator. You really don't want that happening in your blood supply, right? And so let's look at the spine. And this is all based on a brilliant woman's work. Her name is Dr. Lena Kapila. She's from Helsinki, Finland. And I had the pleasure of listening to her presentation at a Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicines conference back in 2015. And she has done extensive work and she is prolifically um, published with her research studies. And she has done so much research, she can literally tell you where the impairment in the lumbar arteries occurs and how that relates to pain and specific symptoms and disease processes of the spine. So let's look at a few of these slides here. So you've got three main branches. One goes to the muscles around the spine and the subcutaneous tissue and the skin of the, the lumbar area. And then you've got one that feeds the bones of the spine and the lumbar and the nerve roots and uh, posterior root ganglions. And these are, uh, sorry for these anatomical terms, I just wanted to be accurate in presenting this. And then you've got your posterior peritoneum, and this impacts a couple of very important muscles that I'm gonna show you a picture of in a moment, right? So if you have decreased blood supply to the paraspinal muscles, you may experience pain related to exercise. So if you're that person who no matter what you do, whenever you exercise, you have pain and it just won't go away for a long time. I'm not diagnosing you and saying that you've got this issue, but if you've tried everything else, and I mean everything else, like a PT who actually has a lot of skill and experience with your issue, or some other body worker or you know, a massage therapist who's extremely skilled at alleviating biomechanic issues, that kind of thing. Um, not if only you've gone and gotten an injection or you're taking pain meds, that's not trying everything, okay? So if that's the case, you really might wanna get very, very serious about what you put in your mouth and listen to a lot more of Amy's video recordings and try her recipes, okay? It's time to put that into action, all right? Uh, and then another thing that can happen with impaired blood supply here is failure to remove the waste products. So you get this accumulation of lactic acid. So you get that, that, that kind of post-exercise burning, right? And it, and it kind of sort of stays there and it's pretty severe. So that may be part of it. Now, some of that can be that your muscles lack a nice glycogen storage because you haven't been doing anything but sitting in a chair for 30 years. There's that. <laughs> 
So, um, you know, this isn't, like I said, specific, right? This is, this is one of the things that can be going on. And then we've got muscle atrophy. Muscle will literally shrink and, and weaken, right? Get smaller and weaker because of not having enough blood supply. Okay. So now sometimes a muscle gets weaker because you're sitting on it like max, your gluteus maximus. Um, most that's what we're sitting on right now. And max, if that's all you ever do is sit on them, gets pretty small and pretty weak. And we got a couple of true false coming up in a, in a couple of minutes here that uh, will, will lead you into that a little bit. Okay. Now, if you've got impaired circulation to the actual vertebral body, and the nerve root, which is your spinal cord, comes down through the middle. There's like a, a canal in the middle of your vertebrae. And so the spinal um, cord comes down through that. And you've got all these nerve roots that come out in between the different levels of vertebrae. Right. And so if you've got impaired circulation to the actual vertebrae itself, you may experience dull, constant pain. And then there's this stasis or this inactivity of the bone. Your bone is very active. Your bone has cells, osteoblasts, osteoclasts, and it's cleaning up dead bone cells. It's, it's, um, it's creating new bone cells. It's very active. Well, if you don't have a good blood supply, it kind of gets inactive, right? And then you might even experience some edema and then bone sclerosis, which is really harmful for the bones and plate sclerosis, and then disc degeneration. How many people get diagnosed with disc degeneration disease, DDD, and they're told, well, you know, at your age or oh, you are getting older, you know, well, everybody shrinks as they get older. Those discs just degenerate and, you know, it's gravity and old age. Well, that's a lie from the pit of hell because I've been five foot four since my teens and I'm still five foot four and I'm going to hit 65 in a few months. So you don't have to shrink. OK, it's not required for life. It's not one of those you know, um, rites of passage before you go below ground. Okay. So, so just so you know, make sure you're feeding your back properly so that it's got good blood supply. And then if you've got poor blood supply to the nerve roots, now we're talking sciatic pain, radicular pain, which is pain that goes down the leg. Now, yes, that can happen for other reasons. You could have been involved in a little fender bender sitting at a, at a red light with your foot on a brake and somebody rear ended you. And you end up with a sacral torsion and now your piriformis muscle is kind of in a spasm. It's got its knickers in a twist. And because the sciatic nerve comes out under that, it kind of pulses on that nerve and you'll get that deep butt pain or you'll get that pain down the leg. Mm -hmm. Or there could be some nerve root compression going on. Right. So there's other reasons for that. But if those have been ruled out, might be time to start looking at what you're putting in your mouth. Right. Wow. Okay, so um, this is just one study. I didn't want people's eyes to glaze over. I'm just showing one study here from Dr. Kapila's work. And this particular study that she presented, she presented quite a few of them. Um, what she saw in the, the subjects in this study, 18% of the subjects had severely stenotic or occluded arteries, severe, like very impaired. And she assessed the stage of disc degeneration found in these people and it did indicate that disc degeneration increases with advanced atherosclerosis in the abdominal aorta and i know these are a lot of anatomical terms but your abdominal aorta is that great big blood vessel that comes off the heart right 
So if you've got some impaired blood supply there, guess what? And that also will lead to impaired blood supply to those arteries above and below the disc. Disc degeneration is seen. Absolutely. So maybe we're we're, we're missing the boat here. When we see people who have degenerative disc disease, when we see people who have these issues, is anybody imaging their lumbar arteries? Probably not, right? So, and they're kind of hard to image because they're behind the mesenteric. So it's not a real easy thing. But again, you know, medical professionals can only order and diagnose and teach and test what they know. So I would love for her work to be like published in a book and and sent to every single doctor on the planet. <laughs> it would be a beautiful thing, right? Okay. Uh, the last one on impaired circulation. This is to the posterior peritoneum. And you might be somebody who's got lateral back pain. It's on both sides of the low back or pain related to your psoas and your quadratum lumborum muscle activity. And I have a picture of those muscles right here for those of you who are like, what the heck are those? And so um, this, you know, is the lumbar spine. This is looking at it from the front. So pretend you kind of um, sort of open the person up like a refrigerator door and you're looking at the front of the, the vertebrae there. And this is the psoas muscle. And the psoas muscle is huge. As you can see, it attaches from the last trunk vertebrae all the way down to L4. So it attaches to four out of the five lumbar vertebrae. So this is going to impact low back function big time, right? If this muscle is not happy, it's not getting enough blood supply, it's not going to function properly. And whenever you go to stand up out of a chair, it's going to yank on your low back like there's no tomorrow. And you are not going to be a happy camper, right? You've also got your iliacus here, which is uh, like a hip hiker. So if you were standing and you had your hands on your hips, and you went to kind of lift one foot up off the floor, keeping your knee straight, you feel that hip come up. That's, that's the action of this muscle. Now these muscles have muscles perform in the context and what you're using them for. So anatomists tend to, Oh, it attaches here and here. And so if it contracts, that must be what it does. But muscles do a lot more than that. That's such a simplistic, inaccurate view. It's ridiculous. So it's one of the reasons I do so many free events, because I want everybody to know how their bodies are designed to work, right? So, but I wanted you to see these. Now, these muscles both come down and, um, sorry, it's the quadratus lumborum. It was not the iliacus, sorry. I, I was looking at the wrong muscle down here. The quadratus lumborum, you can see, goes from your bottom rib down to your iliac crest. So this is, it can really give you some really severe low back pain, right? And if you are bending forward or bending backward, this muscle is going to have to get longer. If you're side bending, this muscle is going to have to get longer. So you will feel some discomfort and some pain, especially if it lacks blood supply, right? All right. Moving on to another reason that food, how you want to make sure you're feeding your back properly, we've got this joint damage issue, right? Osteoarthritis. And so many people think, well, my grandfather had it, my father had it, so I have it. Well, we inherit our family's recipes, <laughs> right? So it's really how we're feeding our body. Osteoarthritis has never been determined to be a genetic disease. 
because too many people don't get it whose ancestors had it or family members because they eat differently. Too many people who come from other countries who eat much healthier than we do, which isn't so much anymore because now we got fast food chains everywhere. But, but the majority of people who their country has a very low level or a low percentage of having these issues, when they move to our country and they take on our Western diet, they start to have the same issues. So it really is, you eat your way into arthritis and you can eat your way out of arthritis. Now, depending on how much damage has occurred at the joint, you know, it won't always completely regenerate or completely reverse, but you can certainly radically stop joint pain, really impact it well. I've had people in their 80s who've changed their diet and, and you know, their joint pain really improved. So uh, as a matter of fact, I'm teaching a four week class right now for the local community college. And I got an email from one of the, the students who said that just quitting dairy, his joint pain is radically improved and he's in his 60s. So. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, it's, I, I get this all the time, which is why I do what I do, right? I love what I do. I'm, I'm like, I feel like Dr. McDougal. I'm like the luckiest PT on the planet because the people I work with get better. Yay. Yeah. So, so anyhow, okay. So, so what they determined, the Stanford University School of Medicine determined when they wanted to figure out what's actually causing joint damage. So it's not old age. It's not wear and tear. It's not gravity. It's not because you stand for 20 years at your job. It's chronic inflammation. And since half the population develops degenerative joint disease, right? Not DDD, disc, but joint disease or osteoarthritis. And osteoarthritis is a leading cause of chronic disability in our country. Shouldn't we know what's causing it? And we do. The Stanford University told us. But why isn't this front page news? Right? So what causes chronic inflammation because if that's what's causing the joint damage then let's stop doing what we're doing so we stop creating that chronic inflammation well there are three ways that our diet will impact chronic inflammation in our world either promote it or fight it right it's either positive or negative one of them is a very high intake of animal foods i shouldn't even really say a very high intake um anything over 10 percent you know dr campbell really confirmed that like you could take that to the bank uh and that's because of all of his extensive research so and anything over 10 percent means more than a couple of times a week and most people are consuming animal foods three times a day right and you don't need animal foods you can absolutely live without them a very long as a matter of fact you're going to live a longer healthier life without them right but i just want to for those of you whose ears shut down and you don't want to hear me anymore because you think i'm saying the vegan word okay <laughs> so if you just cut down to twice a week you will be shocked at how much better you feel and then pay attention when you do treat yourself to that one or two meals a week ah oh, my joints ached a little bit that day maybe i do want to cut this out completely right so it wouldn't be a bad idea just saying and then we've got fats and oils and as you already saw, fat consumption will impair circulation to your entire body, all of your joints, not just your spine, not just your heart, not just your brain, right? And then we've got excess weight. The fat cells that you're carrying with excess weight are little factories producing inflammatory chemicals that promote that chronic inflammation in your body. So 
We really want to be paying attention to these things. If you want to feed your back properly when it comes to food, minimize or eliminate animal foods. And, and dairy is absolutely a no-no. Like there, there's no good amount of dairy. Uh, I didn't have time to go into that because we've got limited time and I want to get to some movements. Um, but then fats and oils, you don't want those. And obviously, if you're eating this way, if you're following what Amy's teaching you, she's a perfect prime example of how you can achieve a beautiful, healthy, optimal weight by what you put in your body, right? So, so go ahead and adopt that whole food plant-based diet because it addresses all of these, these issues, right? Okay, so I'm going to show you just a couple of studies that sort of back up what I just said. Um, this was a study about the arachidonic acid in the animal foods and how it contributes to inflammation. And it does stimulate the production of those pro-inflammatory chemicals. So it literally promotes inflammation in your body, right? So you don't want it. Now, Dr. T. Com uh, T. Colin Campbell's work said anything over 10%, it was right around the 12% mark, was, which was what he saw it switching on and off cancer right? I don't know that anybody's done a study on where's that magic marker when it comes to inflammation. So if you're somebody who struggles with arthritis and a lot of joint damage and whatever, don't pour gasoline on the fire, right? Just cut it out completely. I mean, that would be the wise thing to do, right? And then, and so, and here's the sources. This is from the USDA standard databases animal meats, and I'm putting oily fish like salmon because everybody thinks salmon is this beautiful health food. It has just as much cholesterol. It's extremely high in fat. You don't need it for your omega-3s, believe it or not. Plant oils will provide what you need. But but so, so here we go. They produce the highest amounts of arachidonic acid in the body. And then of course, plants, fruits, vegetables, grains, legumes, beans, lentils, produce little or no arachidonic acid. Now, arachidonic acid is an essential which means you do have to get it from food. Your body can't make it, but it has this unique thing in your body where your body will make the arachidonic acid you need from plant oils. So even though plants have very little or no arachidonic acid in them, when you eat them, your body will convert those linoleic acids, those oils in the plants into the arachidonic acid that you need so that you don't get an overload of arachidonic acid. You're only getting the amount your body requires. So it's not going to promote chronic inflammation, right? And then of course, no matter what side of the camp you're on, keto or vegan, processed baked goods, everybody will agree that a donut is not a health food. So we're all kind of, we at least we do all agree on something, right? Okay. Um, and it does produce a moderate amount of arachidonic acid. So bear that in mind when you want that treat, if you're somebody who suffers from chronic inflammation pain, right? Okay. Um, and then the fat cells. This is, a, I wanted to show you, like I said, a couple of studies to back up what I said. Fat cells do produce, among other things, inflammatory cytokines. So, and when you have those in excess, which if you've got excess weight, you have them in excess, it can lead to inflammation and tissue damage, even in autoimmune conditions like rheumatoid arthritis, right? So this means excess weight literally promotes inflammation in your body. And I did a very deep dive into a lot of this research when I created a course for Food Choices Academy. Uh, it didn't end up getting um, published onto the site because the site kind of sort of um, kind of stopped being active. 
but uh but i spent like six eight months on the research for this on obesity and pain and oh my gosh the the number of studies that are so conclusive about that relationship between excess weight and chronic inflammation are astounding so um yeah yeah okay so we have two more true and false questions that we can ask before we do our last couple of slides here. Okay, get ready, Green Warriors. Here's our question, true or false? Having a pancake butt, AKA dormant butt syndrome, can contribute to back pain. Hmm. That's a visual, true or false, okay. What do you say? And I do have to, I have to get everybody, I have to give Amy the credit. Dormant butt syndrome was her uh, contribution to that question. And I love it. I'm going to call it DBS from now on. And I'm going to be teaching that when I do my events and my classes. I <laughs> love it. So is that everybody put their answer in? Yes. And the answer is true. Yes. Oh, Angela, it's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's the last one to have uh, <laughs> DBS. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's for sure. Yes, yes, Catherine True. Beautiful. All right. We have one more question, I think. Okay, yes, we do. Okay, we're having too much fun now. Okay, <laughs> so true or false? Sitting for a large portion of the day can lead to back pain. True or false, Green Warriors? What do you say? And I'm guessing everybody's probably going to get this right. Yeah, I, I think they will. Yes. But go ahead and give them the answer yes. anyway. So obviously the answer is yes. And uh, it's, I mean, you're sitting on max. You're sitting on that power source. You're sitting on the muscle that is meant to provide all of the power and feed your low back from below. So yes, very, very important. All right. And everybody's getting all the right answers. Smart, smart audience. I love yes, talking to smart people. Okay. So uh, you'll see, I've got two statements here and I've only got a couple more slides and then I'm going to go downstairs uh, and show you some movements, but what causes back pain, not just what you eat, but what you do and what you don't do. And I know those are very big statements, right? But what you don't do, lack of physical exercise. And I want to be very sensitive here to those of you who have so much pain, you, you, you literally feel unable to exercise. So this is not me pointing fingers or judging or wagging my finger at anyone because, you know, pain, I, the reason God put me on this planet was to help people get out of pain. It's the reason I exist, the reason I breathe. So I have a massive empathy for people who are experiencing pain and I wanna fix everybody, right? So, so here's the deal. There's always something you can do. The problem is you haven't met the person who knows what to teach you. So it's never hopeless. It's, I wanna repeat that, it's never hopeless. There's always something you can do. Okay. And I'm going to hopefully show you a couple of things when I go downstairs that no matter where you're at, you're going to be able to do a few things. That's my, that's my, my hope and my goal. Right. So, so lack of physical exercise, you know, and it's not just the abdominals. It's, you know, we, we all blame the abdominals for our core, but the, the abs aren't your core. Your core is literally from your nose to your toes. And it's not even about making your abdominals strong. It's about making your core stable. 
right? Does it stabilize you when you live life? And then of course, you know, if you get weakness on one side and tightness on the other, there's this big imbalance that happens. Those tight hip flexors because we're sitting all the time, those weak glutes because we're sitting all the time. If you've got a job, especially a profession, like as a bus driver, a truck driver, a cab driver, an office worker, where you're all day long in a chair, and then of course you go home, and now either because you had pain or life is just too much for you or you're exhausted, you've got maybe medical issues, now you're sitting on the sofa the rest of the evening. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of issues going on in your body, mainly because of those things. And then the functional strength, what you do, right? You want to restore normal pain-free movement by reestablishing normal movement patterns, not abnormal ones. So what happens a lot of the times is people are doing exercises that are completely inauthentic. I started with that authentic word, right? When we started and, and they're doing inauthentic movements. They're not, they're not establishing normal, healthy movement patterns. They're literally training in dysfunction and then teaching your body to move correctly under load. And I'm going to explain what that is when I go downstairs will provide pain-free low back function in ways that you live your life, which means you'll be able to squat down and get a heavy pan out from under the kitchen sink. You'll be able to bend over and get something out of the trunk of your car. You'll be able to turn and back up your car without back pain. I mean, how many people have issues with those things, right? How many people, you know, you, you want to be able to pick up your grandchild and if you carry your grandchild, you get back pain. Now, unless your grandchild is, you know, 120 pounds, ideally, you should be able to carry your grandchild without back pain, right? So I'm going to go downstairs. Oh, I think I had a couple more. Sorry, I had, I had two more slides, I think. Sorry. So this is kind of a recap because, you know, this is what we taught and this is, this is to remind you. So what causes back pain? It's not just chronic inflammation and impaired circulation because of what you eat and your weight but improper training. That's huge. A misunderstanding of how to train your body. I would guess the majority of people here watching this recording or this live, if you're here live, or those of you watching this by recording in the future, I would guess probably 99% of you have no desire to be Rachel McLish. And most of you don't know who she is. She was like a female version of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay, so so I'm guessing most of you have no desire to have big biceps and, and massive quads and, you know, ripped everything on your body. Right. I'm guessing most of you just want to be able to live your life with quality and do the things you love to do, like take a walk, clean out your garage, garden, golf. Right. So those things don't require you to be a male or a female version of Arnold Schwarzenegger. They only require your body to have proper, authentic movement or mobility and stability. So hopefully I'm going to show you some things. All right. And then I believe, yes. Yeah, so do you want relief of your pain or do you want resolution of the cause of your pain? And hopefully you understand the difference from what we've presented. 
And I do have a very special event that's starting next Monday. And I know if you're watching this in the future, uh, you know, if you go to that website, I'm almost always hosting some event, so you might not see this one. So even if it's way beyond 2023 when you see this video, check out the website. I don't plan on going anywhere. I'm going to live to at least 112 and be really stinking happy about it, okay? And I'm going to be teaching as long as I'm above ground. So, so that said, um, this starts next Monday. It's free. I'm going to fire hose you for five days. I'm going to teach you three really fabulous workouts and you're going to get a lot of information. And if you do the homework that I provide, you will get a reward. And if you're there live, I'm going to pass out a very special prize to whoever answers a question first with the right answer. So it's going to be a lot of fun. All right. That sounds great. That That's just a wonderful offering. Yeah. And I hope everybody takes advantage of it because it's either for themselves or maybe for someone that they care about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the, the last event I hosted uh, was on reverse aging. I had over 900 people registered for that event and mm -hmm. I had a, a couple hundred live show up daily. So um, and this one is it looks like it's going to end up being about the same. So um, wow. I just yeah, I just I just love working with people. So anyhow, I'm going to transition downstairs to the gym. And I'm guessing you can keep everybody busy for a moment. I'm going to keep them that. busy. I sure am. All right. <laughs> okay. Well, while Eileen goes downstairs to her gym, she has a camera set up there. And she is going to be sharing with us some wonderful exercises. And, and you don't have to worry about wiping sweat off your brow. These are basically movements that you can do that are going to be helpful to help you with back pain, either what you are experiencing or to help alleviate it. And of course, all these things should be done with the supervision of a physician. So you should always talk to a physician first. So Green Warriors that are watching now live or, or in the future, tell us in the comments, are you experiencing back pain? Do you, or is it someone that you love? Maybe that's why you're watching or you're just trying to prevent it from happening in the future. Tell us in the comments what it, uh, why you're here today. And, and if it is back pain that you have, you know, how are you experiencing it? Oh, I think she's back. Let's see. Oh, here she is. I am here. Yes. 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 Okay. So um, obviously this isn't meant to be an exercise class. But I do want to show some of you some movements so that you can sort of test what goes on in the body. But first, I'd like to take just a couple of minutes and sort of explain a little more fully that authentic motion thing, right? So our bodies move in three planes of motion. And if you've ever heard me do any teaching before, you've heard me say that. Also, everything's connected to everything else. So don't let somebody just see you as a shoulder that walks through the door or a knee that walks through the door or a hip that walks through the door. You are a whole body and everything's connected, which means everything impacts everything else. Your low back needs to be fed from above and below in order to be the strongest link in your body. So what I mean by that is you need to make sure that your trunk from your neck to your low back is fully mobile in all three planes of motion, that your trunk will bend forward nicely and bend backward nicely. Your trunk will go side bend right and left nicely. Your trunk will rotate nicely. 
Okay, so that's critical. And then your hips from below, your hips do all the motions too. Your hips are the second most mobile joint in the body aside from your shoulder. Now your hip won't exactly do this unless you're in the circus, but the, the hips will do you know full flexion, they'll do extension, they'll do abduction and adduction and they'll rotate out and rotate in. If they're not fully mobile, your low back is gonna be a victim, okay? But the hips are the culprit. If your trunk is not fully mobile and not working properly and it's lacking something in mobility, your low back will be the victim, but your trunk will be the culprit. And I go into these a lot more detail over the course of the masterclass that's coming up next week. But I wanna show you a few things right now if you're somebody who experiences low back pain, be very cautious what you're doing. If you've been told by any healthcare professional or, or medical expert not to do something, then don't not do it or do it because, you know, I'm telling you or showing you this, you know what's going on in your world. At first, do no harm, okay? I also want to emphatically emphasize that when you do motions that are to restore function, there is never any pain. If there's pain, your brain is gonna try to stop the pain by cheating and using anything it can use to allow that movement to happen and, and get rid of the pain. So you're literally training in dysfunction. So pain is not your friend, it's, 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 it's gonna make your brain cheat. You're not gonna get better. Okay, so now it's different. Say you just had a major surgery, maybe on your knee and walking is painful. That's that's a whole different conversation. Okay, but for right now, what we're talking about is if you have pain with movement, you want to find movement you can do that does not create pain. And you want to be training your body in all three planes of motion, not just one plane of motion, which I, I had a talk with someone the other day. And uh, I remember her saying, that all of her training, it, it, it was, it was in, a, in a podcast that I was um, a guest on, she said all of her training, this was an Olympic athlete, she said all of her training was always in one plane of motion. So no wonder she had issues, right? Pain and things. So let's, let's get started, all right? So if you wanna feed your back from below, you want those hips to be working properly. Now, here's a very, very simple thing to start with and again, no pain. So I'm gonna show you some modifications. So ideally, if you just rest your hands on your hips, as long as your shoulders are okay with that, you, it'll give you that manual cue, right? So a lot of times that's why a PT will put their hand on a body part because it, it tells your brain to kind of pay attention to where the hands are. So what we're gonna do is we're just gonna do a little bit of a forward and back motion, okay? So that means you're, you're just a little forward and back. Okay, and it, you don't want to go so far forward where you're creating pain and so far backward where you're creating pain, but you want to sort of take up the motion you've got where it's comfortable. So that forward and back. Now, say you have pain when you go forward. Maybe it's those hip flexors. Maybe they've lost a little bit of ability to get longer, right? And a lot of us, as we age, we kind of come forward like this because those muscles have locked short. And or if we stand up tall because we've lost strength in the front of our body, we, we're afraid we're gonna fall backward and smack our head open. So we really want that front of the body to be functioning properly, okay? So this is more about mobility right now 
uh, than it is strength. And so the goal here is you just want to rock forward and back, kind of like you want to do a little belly bump, with somebody head and shoulders go back. And if one of those motions is painful, you don't do it. So if going forward is painful, don't do it. Just go backward and back to neutral, backward and back to neutral. Now, you can also do this in a little bit of what I call a stride position. And I don't know if you can see my feet right now, but instead of having my feet be perfectly side by side, oh, I just woke up the cat. Um, you can put one foot forward. And now because my left foot is actually back and my right foot's forward, when I do that forward motion, I'm going to feel that more on the left front hip, right? And then of course you can do vice versa. Now, if you have a knee or maybe a hip that doesn't like this motion, you can change your foot position. So you can turn your toes in just a little bit. I, I can't tell you how many people I've worked with where, you know, if they went to do something, say they felt it in the right hip, I'd say, okay, try turning your toes in a little bit and now do the movement. Does that feel better? And they'd say, oh yeah, it doesn't hurt at all now. Or try turning your toes out just a little bit. Because what you're doing now is you're asking the muscle to do less of the plane of motion that it doesn't like right now. But the cool thing is, is you won't need to do that modification forever because you're, you're feeding it proper movement and it's going to improve. It's going to restore its ability to do that, right? So that's the forward and back. And then we're going to do side to side. And now for the side to side, the goal is you, you kind of want to pretend you're in parallel bars and you're just sort of tapping the parallel bars. Now here again, this is hips. And what we're getting in the hips here is some AB and some adduction. And that means that's the same thing as this, but it's very different because it's not open chain. You're bearing weight, right? You don't want to live your life doing exercises laying down on the floor because you don't live your life laying down on the floor. Your body needs to know how to respond to movement in a healthy way, in an effective way, in an efficient way when you're on your feet. So you really want to be training on your feet. Hopefully that's pretty clear. So you're just going to go side to side. And again, just like before, if going one way is painful, don't go that way. Just go the way that feels good. And you'll be shocked usually within a day or two or three days at most for most people. And don't be discouraged if it takes you longer. But typically, you'll end up being able to do both motions if you stick with the one that feels good. And to try to explain that simply is if I go this way, this part of my body has to get longer and control the motion so that I don't keep going, right? So maybe this part of my body doesn't like getting longer. But if I go this way, this part of my body's getting shorter and it's kind of like putting a rubber band on slack. So now this part of my body is getting relief. It's actually saying, oh, wow, you're not asking me to do that. Oh, I feel so much better. Thank you for the rest. And then you can kind of ease into it sort of like cozying up to the bear instead of punching him in the nose, right? So guess what? You restored that motion, okay? And sometimes you won't have any side-to-side -side motion, but you're okay forward and back. And the more you do forward and back, it helps the body to get mobilized and it will help to restore the side-to-side. -side. So don't get discouraged if there's any one of these movements that you struggle with. Do the ones that you're good at. It's gonna be highly unlikely that you can't do any of them right? And then the last one is rotation. And oh, just a quick reminder, you can change your foot positions for that side to side as well. 
right? In, out, one forward, one back, whatever you need to do so that it feels good and you can do it repetitively with success and competence and confidence, okay? And then the last one is rotation. And you wanna just turn. And when you do this, you're not really turning your low back, you're turning your hips. You're getting internal and external rotation at the hips. Now, you also may notice that your, your ankles are working here, right? So when I rotate right, my left foot is going down into pronation and my right foot is going up into supination and vice versa. When you did that side to side, your ankles are doing eversion, inversion. When you do the forward and back, your, your ankles are doing dorsiflexion, plantar flexion. And because of how your body's designed to move, you don't need to know all those terms, but know that whatever happens from the ground up is initiated by your foot and ankle. And if, there, if you're lacking mobility there, that could be why you've got neck pain, shoulder pain. And I don't want to get off on a tangent, but I just wanted to plant that seed to let you know. Uh, foot and ankle function is huge. So when you're doing these simple movements, you're actually mobilizing your ankles as well. So it can help resolve that as well. And then, of course, with the rotation, the same as before, if one of those movements has pain, you don't do it. Now, if you're somebody who you could do all of those and that felt okay, no problems, Take it a step further and do some arm motions. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to add arms to this and I'm going to reach up and bend back and I'm going to squat down a little bit and I'm going to come back up and squat down a little bit, right? So now you're getting a lot more motion and you're actually adding a little bit of back to it and it's not just your hips. Same thing with the side to side and I don't know if I'm going to end up where my voice will get muffled because my arm is up here, but you're going to, you know, the side to side, you can go ahead and do whole upper body, those arm drivers. Now you're going to feel that a lot more in your trunk as well as your hips. So, and the same thing with rotation, you're going to feel that a lot more in your trunk as well as your hips. So you're going to be feeding that low back from above and from below. So it's really critical. And, um, and for those of you who struggle to, uh, I'll show a couple things in sitting. For those of you who really struggle to, um, to stand, maybe you've got really, your knees aren't happy or one of your hips really isn't happy. So the goal here, you can still mobilize your trunk and you actually get a little more mobility out of your trunk when you're sitting because your hips are sort of limited in what they can do. And, um, and if you want to limit what your hips do in standing, if you spread your feet kind of wide and then you do all kinds of trunk work, right, side to side and turning and all, your hips are limited in how much they can be involved because of that wide open stance. So just so you know, you'll get more trunk that way, right? But if you want to do it in sitting, you know, maybe you're at your desk at work one day you can really get a lot of mobility going on and you can start off really simple just by sort of collapsing down, extending up. And if you've got shoulder issues, you know, you can always just do this. You don't necessarily have to have the arms completely involved, but know that your upper thoracic spine, your upper trunk needs good extension in order for you to have really good arm flexion. If you, and check yourself in the mirror, 
If you think you got, you, you can raise, oh, I'm right up to the ceiling. No problem. No problem with my shoulders at all. Look how far away my arm is from my ear. That is not pure flexion. That's abductions out here, right? This is flexion. And if you're coming up out here, you, you've lost flexion. So the goal is to come up right next to your ear. Now, what, what happens when I work with people and I tell them, you know, your arm's out there. Can you bring it closer to your head? What do they do? They do this. Their head goes over because their brain heard, oh, you want my ear next to that? And, and because the arm can't do this, their head does that, right? So if I turn here, I'll show you the difference. So this is me coming without my thoracic spine extending at the top. And then when I lift and I extend my thoracic spine, look how much more motion I have, right? That's full flexion. So that thoracic spine, it's, it's notorious for losing mobility and we gradually get less and less movement as we get older and we're not even aware of it. It's like our brain keeps it a secret, right? So sitting in the chair, you want to just get that nice flexion, nice extension, really try to get the arms up as long as there's no pain, you're going to get a little mobilization going on in the upper thoracic spine, okay? And then for side bending, you, you know, you can go down and, and actually if you reach over, if you, if you concentrate on, and, and I'm gonna finish with this, we're almost done because I know I wanna answer some questions for, for those of you who are here. Um, if you use your hand as your, your goal, your driver, your brain isn't thinking about the muscles you're using. A lot of us have been trained, oh, you need to really engage your core. You need to be thinking about what your muscle's doing. You've gotta connect with that muscle. I'm not saying that there's any inherent anything, anything inherently wrong with that. However, when you're living your life authentically, you're not thinking about what your muscles are doing. You're not connected to your muscle. You're thinking about the task you're performing. So your muscles are designed to work subconsciously, which means you initiate movement and then they react to the movement. So if I initiate movement with my hand and I reach up over my head and I want it like I'm going to reach the wall next to me, guess what I'm doing? I'm lengthening and loading the whole side of my trunk, but I'm not thinking about my trunk. I can feel my trunk getting longer and working, but I'm thinking about that hand. I want to get that hand over there. So I'm thinking about the task that I'm performing. So it creates that beautiful subconscious reaction of your muscles. So, you know, get that nice, really reach over there, right? Really reach. You can also reach up behind you like you're going to reach the top corner of, of a square, you know, do both sides. You'll feel the whole front of your body is lengthening under what's called load, which means it's controlling the motion and really reach you know, kind of like I, I heard one expert say it, kind of like you, you're, you're, you're inside a balloon and you're trying to push out through the balloon, right? So you're just getting that beautiful opening up and loading of that trunk. The same thing with the rotation, really go rotate, really rotate, right? Reach behind and rotate. And because you're sitting and your hips are kind of limited in how much they can contribute, you're getting a beautiful mobilization of your trunk. If you're somebody who struggles with stiff low back, stiff neck, upper traps, 
this could be your saving grace. You might really be surprised at how good this helps make you feel. Okay. All right. I guess we'll, we'll go for some questions now because I could teach for hours on end here. <laughs> that felt so nice. Did you like I'm, that? Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm sitting, so I couldn't do everything, but I did do a lot of those things. And because I had been sitting for a while, it, it really felt like a, a relief. And I heard crackling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes you'll get those little snap, crackle, pops. It's just, yeah. yeah opening, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Well, we have Catherine has a question. She said, I have no disc left at L4, L5, and very little left at L3, L4. Any hope for my chronic L8P? Is that what it says? LBP? Lower back pain. Yes. Lower back pain. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I'm certainly not going to diagnose anybody, right? And I'm not going to give specific advice. I, I want to speak generally on that topic. So, um, yes, back pain can be caused by that disc compression and that issue. Sometimes it's not. So I just want to make sure that people understand that even if they've been given a diagnosis, maybe it's lack of motion, maybe it's weakness that has contributed to the pain and getting those right muscles trained the right way could minimize the pain, lessen the pain, if not completely eliminate it, right? Take the edge off, certainly an improved quality of life. Um, there's, there's also, uh, there, um, I don't have it down here, my exercise ball. There's, there's data that shows when you sit on, a, on an exercise ball, and, I'm, and you want to make sure the exercise ball is big enough. And I, I apologize. Mine's upstairs. I wasn't thinking I was going to need it down here. Um, you want to make sure that when you sit on the exercise ball, that your hips are higher than your knees. So pretend I'm sitting on a ball right now. And I'm almost level here. So ideally, I would want this seat to be just a little bit higher so that my hips are a little higher than my knees. And there is data that shows that when you very gently bounce on, on an exercise ball, it can increase disc height. So, um, you know, I, I haven't seen any data that shows if somebody has severe degenerative disease, you know, how much will it improve and all that stuff. But that's something, right? I mean, uh, I mean, it, it's certainly, it's one of those things that I love to, to recommend because it is, there's like, there's no potential risk and only potential benefit. So, um, so that said, and then of course, like I said, strengthening, strengthening as much as possible, but the right way. Right. And because a lot of the times when somebody is dealing with that much, um, kind of that, that, you know, your future is bleak sort of diagnosis, there's this mental emotional response that very often goes along with that, that says, well, there's not really much I can do. And, and the person kind of shuts down, which is understandable. We're all human. And then there's less movement, there's less activity, and things just kind of snowball. So hopefully that helps and gives them a little bit of hope. Yeah, that that's wonderful because I would think with the, all of those issues that she probably was losing hope. And this is a wonderful thing that there's, there's still things that you might be able to do. And uh, Catherine said, if you're overweight, is there any way to ameliorate the zytokines being released? So that's a really good question, Catherine. So I'm glad you asked that because it reminded me of something I wanted to say. Even though excess weight, those fat cells love to produce 
the inflammatory chemicals. Um, and until the weight is lost, they're going to kind of keep doing that. Diet can still play a huge role. I cannot tell you how many people I've had tell me when they started applying what I teach that their pain was radically reduced and they didn't have time yet to lose weight. So in other words, they make those changes and within a week or two or three weeks, they're feeling much better and they haven't lost more than a couple of pounds. They haven't had time to lose weight. So a lot of the times it's the food itself is really promoting that chronic inflammation even more so than the excess weight. So hopefully that, that helps to know that. But yeah. I haven't seen any data where uh, I know they're working on, I did read a study, um, they're working on a magic pill that will address chronic inflammation on a cellular level. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's, yeah, I remember reading it and I was just shaking my head. I was like, okay, yeah. uh, I, I don't even think I want to get off on that tangent, but I'm sure they're working on it. <laughs> yeah, that's what everybody's looking for, that just little pill that they can take and not have to address the other things. Mm -hmm. and, but this yeah. lifestyle is so wonderful because it not only addresses things like the inflammation and the pain and, you know, there's a lot of things with your brain and, and there's just so many other parts of, of your body that it affects. And absolutely. And, and those, those magic pills, you know, everything falls off, right? <laughs> you end yeah. up with all these other problems and diseases from the side effects. So yeah, absolutely. And you had talked earlier in the presentation by saying, you know, even if you just went plant-based for a certain amount of time during the week, and then maybe went off plan, and then kept, you know, noticed, how did you feel after that? And maybe that could be something that people could also do is just kind of keep a little journal about what they're eating and how they're feeling. And maybe they would. Yeah, that's an excellent that. suggestion, Amy, because a lot of people, you know, they underreport their, their bad habits and overreport their good habits. And they're clueless as to, I had a guy who did really good in my classes at the college. Um, he, he got his A1C down. His doctor was thrilled with what he did. He lost weight. He didn't need any medications, no risk of diabetes at all. And then I heard from him a few years later, and, um, and I told him, I said, well, I'll be happy to work with you, but you've got to fill out a food diary. You've got to let me know what you've been doing. And it was so funny. He says, well, I know I've gotten into some bad habits, but until he wrote it down, he had no clue how bad he'd gotten with his habits. So mm -hmm. when we see it in black and white, it's kind of a wake-up call. Yeah. Now, Jennifer360 said, how can I reduce or reverse sciatica pain? Well, sciatica pain, there's, there's, a, there's more than one reason that it can be happening in the body. So as I said, a lot of the times you could just be, you know, sitting behind the wheel of the car with your foot on the brake at a red light and somebody rear ends you. And what happens is, you know, your foot's on the brake, right? If I can stand on one foot here for a while. And you've got this upside down triangle here, your sacrum, and the force enters there. And because that foot's on the brake, you kind of get this torque that happens. And sometimes when that torque happens, your piriformis, which is a teeny tiny little muscle, but it goes from the, the front side of the sacrum diagonal down the buttock and attaches to the greater trochanter here on the outer hip. And that muscle in about 87% of the population, like 86.5 or something, um, the sciatic nerve comes out under that muscle or through that muscle. And, and so if that muscle's in spasm, because if the sacrum is torqued, 
it kind of pulls on the muscle. And when a muscle gets pulled on, it pulls back, creates like this little low level tug of war. And so when that, when it creates that little spasm, it squeezes the nerve and creates the sciatic pain. So I found that to be probably one of the most common reasons for sciatic pain. Now it can also be happening at the actual spinal level itself, right? Depending on, on where they're getting the pain. And there's a method called the McKenzie method that is extremely effective. It's M-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E. There's a whole series of small paperback books that are very inexpensive. Uh, one is Treat Your Own Back, written by Robin McKenzie. He's no longer living, but the whole world of my profession is very well aware of McKenzie, and they have a lot of certified trainers throughout the world. I've seen McKenzie work alleviate sciatic pain, severe sciatic pain, in as little as 15 minutes at most maybe three weeks. And that was somebody who they were saying he was gonna have to have surgery. He was a young man and he was adamantly against surgery. I mean, he couldn't even walk. He was in such excruciating pain. And Mackenzie worked for him. Within, within three weeks, he was pain-free. And within two or three weeks after that, he was completely, had no more limitations for heavy lifting and he could go back to work. So Mackenzie is beautiful and, and it's a classification system and um, this person might end up ha having something called a posterior derangement, which sounds scary, but derangements are really easy to fix with Mackenzie. So there's, there's lots of, and it's, and it's all about movement. It's, it's, there's no procedures you have to undergo or anything like that. You just get assessed through your movement. You get told what to do. You get taught what to do. You do the right things and, and the pain resolves. So those are the two biggest reasons for sciatic pain that I'm aware of. Yeah. That's very helpful. I have not ever heard anybody talk about it in that way. So I'm sure that really helped a lot of people. Well, we, we've got lots of questions. We're just going to take one more. And that is Jake B. Uh, whole food plant-based SOS free for over a decade, lost hundred pounds. I have disc degeneration. I'm about 10 pounds overweight. Can that extra weight make my lower back pain worse? I've not seen data that specifies how much excess weight is required to increase chronic inflammation in the body, right? All the data was about, you know, this inflammatory chemicals were seen, um, and it was, it was all tested on people who were overweight or obese, depending on how much overweight they were. I don't remember, well, with all the extensive data I read, I don't remember any data that talked about people who were only 10 pounds overweight. Usually it was overweight, which is, you know, 20, 30 pounds, and then up into the obese categories, classified one, you know, class one, two, three, four, obesity. So um, that said, it may not be that excess 10 pounds, especially if you've been SOS free for 10 years, it may be more weakness, mobility, um, a need to train the body authentically. And, and again, I'm, I'm being very careful, you know, don't consider this physical therapy advice, right? Um, because, you know, you're not, you're not my patient. Um, but, um, but know that very often, you know, we, we think it's one thing, but it's not. And, you know, I've had people come in. I remember a young man who had scoliosis, and, and this will help you to understand what I'm saying. His diagnosis was scoliosis. He was only 19 years old. He'd only been a graduate from high school for a year. And, uh, and he had back pain. 
And so I did a little bit of manual work on him, but I didn't think that was it. And uh, he'd come, came in for a second session and he said, yeah, no, you know, it didn't really help much. I'm still having a lot of pain at the end of my workday. So then I was like, well, okay, show me what you do during your workday. And this kid was installing solar panels, right? So he'd be up on a roof and he would be like this and he would be installing and then he would step over and install and step over and install. Does anybody see what's wrong with that picture? So I told him, I said, well, how is your boss? Is your boss okay with you doing something a little bit different? He goes, oh yeah, he's a great guy. He's a veteran. He treats me really well. Wonderful man. I said, okay, so what I want you to do is I want you to install the panel and then I want you to do this and step over and install the next panel and then do this. And so the next time he came in, his third visit, he goes, I have no more pain at the end of my workday. I said, really? He goes, yeah, I did what you told me. And my, my back feels great at the end of my workday. And so does my bosses because he's been doing what you taught me and his back doesn't hurt him anymore either. <laughs> so, you know, the kid was taught he had scoliosis and that's why he had back pain, but it had nothing to do with it. It was what he was doing and not doing, right? So that 10 pounds may have nothing to do with it. Wow. That is amazing. Well, you're very popular. We have a lot of questions, but we, we don't, we're not going to have enough time to answer them all. And then more will come in anyway. But yes. I really want to thank you, Eileen, for teaching us how to feed our back and age without back pain. And everyone, yes. please click like to show your appreciation for what Eileen shared with us today. Eileen, can you please tell us about what you do and how we can find you? Sure. So uh, I've been working with people over Zoom since long before the world shut down. I do do private consulting um, and it's, it's pain consultation and education. It's not physical therapy services. I want to be clear with that one. Um, and uh, I do have lots of free content available out there. As I said, I've got that event coming up next Monday. I also have my own YouTube channel, which is my name, Eileen Kapsoftis, and I've got lots of free content on there, movement and education. And I also have a website where you can assess your own three-plane function. It's a 21-minute video and figure out what's going on in your world. And there's a movement video that introduces you to three-plane function, and you can learn how to tr um, train your calves, your, your hips, your back, um, pretty much nose to toes in three planes with that free video. It's, it's a free membership level. And uh, I've also got a geek corner in there where there's a Q&A where I talk about inversion tables and scoliosis. I share a great study on how to improve scoliosis with side planks and specific positions um, and, uh, and a teaching on hydration and how important that is. So that's at mwpprivateclub.com. MWP stands for move without pain. So it's mwpprivateclub.com is that one. So lots of offerings, lots of content, um, you know, and you can, you can, check it out. And, uh, and I'm always just an email away if you have any questions. And we're going to put all of those links in the show notes for everybody to just click more and you'll see in the show notes what Eileen has to offer. And if you're interested, Eileen has this wonderful book called Pain Culprits. And it is just amazing. You can learn a lot just from reading the book, but I encourage you to take her classes 
We have uh, people that have been watching and talking about that they've been enrolled in her class and have really benefited from it. And so uh, thank you so much for that. In just a short period of time, you gave us so much actionable information and more yeah. reasons to be plant-based, which I love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I've, I've had people come in the clinic and if they were a hot mess and it was because of how they were feeding their body, I could, I didn't have a magic wand. They needed mm -hmm. to know that. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. Green Warriors, tell us what you're going to remember about today's presentation. What is your takeaway? One of my takeaways is that you can radically improve joint pain. Wow. That's a big deal. And yes. I want to thank you, Eileen, once again. Wonderful presentation. We love having you here. And I also wanted to thank Jess Taskboy. She did the promos. She did the intros. And she does so much to help get out the message of this broadcast. And Jess Taskboys, tell us who's coming up next. Want a healthy, hearty, plant-based meal without sacrificing your taste buds? Shada Soleimani will teach us how to prepare her burrito nourish bowl on Be Green with Amy Live, Wednesday, March 29th, 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. And as a special thank you to all of you Green Warriors, I would love to send you five free recipes. So just go to my website, begreenwithamy.com slash join, and I will send them to your inbox. And hopefully that you will do that and you'll get to enjoy these wonderful plant-based recipes to get you on your way. And please, everyone, go ahead and take your right hand and grab your left shoulder and take your left hand and grab your right shoulder. Now squeeze. That's a hug from me to you. And it could even be a good stretch. What do you think, Eileen? Yeah. <laughs> and if you all want to join me and Eileen as we say my tagline, you can type it in the comments. Are you ready, Eileen? I'm ready. Okay. Well, until I see all of you again, remember, be strong, be well, and be Green. Green. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Eileen. Thanks, everybody, Thank you, for Amy. watching. Bye-bye. Now you can listen to Be Green with Amy expert interviews wherever you go. Listen while walking, meal prepping, or traveling. Find Be Green with Amy on Apple, Google, Alexa, Amazon, or virtually anywhere you find podcasts. Be strong, be well, and be green with Be Green with Amy.